when I communicate with the animals, what I experience is I can feel their feelings. I can feel sensations in their bodies if they want me to, sh to, to show me different points. And I can hear their messages. Welcome back to Nature Magic after our winter hibernation. Uh, today I'm talking to Lisa Tully. Lisa is a professional animal healer and communicator. She has an international practice working with all kinds of species. She traveled to Mongolia to study shamanic healing for animals and identifies the root causes behind any mental, emotional, physical or spiritual challenges your animal companions may be facing. And she creates holistic programs to heal them. With a science background, she understands both sides of the coin and collaborates with homeopathic vets when needed. By communicating directly with animals of all kinds, she gives them a voice, thus deepening our human understanding of their essential nature, needs, and messages. Working through photos or in person, her work reaches any animal anywhere. I really enjoyed meeting Lisa by Zoom, and I'm sure you will enjoy hearing all about her work. So hi, Lisa, I'm really excited to be starting the Nature Magic podcast season for 2022 with Lisa Tully, who is an animal communicator, and you're sitting in a windy storm Eunice in the Wicklow Hills, is that correct? Yes, I'm up in the Glencree Valley, not too far away from Enniskerry, and yeah, it's a stormy day up here, dodging the trees. Wonderful, and you've agreed to talk to me about your work, which is so interesting, and would you like to tell the listeners what initially drew you to work with animals? Yeah, so I have always been really passionate about animals, one of those lifelong dreams to be a vet, and as a young girl, I used to bring home random animals like sick seagulls and <laughs> arrive home with them to my, you know, to my mother. And she'd be like, oh, my God. So it was just always absolutely in me. And when I was in school, when we had our fourth year transition year work experience, I wanted to work at a vet's. So I, I worked at the vet's for two weeks and then they ended up hiring me. Um, as a part-time, they, they trained me in as basically a veterinary nurse, uh, veterinary nurse's aide, and I worked there for two years. So that was between the age of, of 16, 17, 18. And I really, you know, I saw a side of animal healing and animal well-being that it really sparked my interest that, you know, I, I, I can do this, I can do more. But when it comes to actually getting into veterinary university, I got accepted in the UK and the US, but not in Ireland. So, you know, I, I didn't I didn't want to burden myself with huge fees, you know, university fees. So I, I studied science in the end. And so my path towards animal work started from my heart. It went to my brain when I was working in the veterinary practice and then eventually it went back to my heart energy again, and that's what's leading my animal communication and holistic healing work today. Oh, that's lovely. That really explains exactly how you got here. And did you have any special experiences with perhaps the animals in the vet or that sort of led you towards the work that you do now? Yeah, well, when I finished my science degree, um my professor asked me to do a PhD in chemistry and I was like hell no 
<laughs> I'm going to South America, <laughs> you know, because I traveled a lot at that point. And when I was a young girl, I saw a film on TV about the Amazon forest and it just touched me. Like, I, I you know, I was about seven, eight years old. And I said, I'm going to go there someday. So this was my shot. When I finished my degree, I said, now it's time for the for the rainforest. So I went to South America and I ended up volunteering in Bolivia. So it's the Bolivia is beside Peru and Brazil and the rainforest there. They had a, a wildlife rehabilitation center and you could just rock up and work with whichever animals were in need of some care. It's not a zoo, it wasn't open to the public or anything like that. And because I had a year to, to spare, um, they put me working with a cat called Millie. And she's a jungle cat, so she's called an ocelot. And they are amazing at climbing trees. They'll catch birds, bats out of the air, snakes, monkeys, and things like that. And they are all across the Americas. So I've just qualified from university. I have a science degree. I'm like, well, what am I going to do with my life? <laughs> and so the year I spent working with Millie, I would walk about half an hour up into the jungle. And then I would, that's where she was. And I would bring her then on, on a lead for walks out into the forest during the daytime because unfortunately they weren't able to fully rehabilitate the animals. They don't have the resources like they'd have in Africa. And so Millie was found wrapped in her mum's fur with her brother in a market to be sold. And so she ended up being hand reared and her brother didn't make it. So she was kind of this, you know, in limbo. She wasn't quite fully wild, but she absolutely wasn't fully tame either. And one day Millie and I were going for a walk, as we always did in the jungle. And in the park, there was monkeys. And the monkeys are being rehabilitated too. And they get to a certain point where they're fully released. So these, these monkeys are in limbo as well. They're not wild, but they're not, in, you know, being in the park, being minded um, at, a, at a quite intense way. They've kind of just been left to do their thing. But they don't necessarily have a fear of people anymore, which in my view makes them actually more dangerous than wild monkeys. And one one day we were walking along our path and a troop of monkeys started to jump across the canopy and there was about 15 of them. And I Millie was there and I would always let go of her lead and she'd go off and do her thing. She'd always come back. So she was she was unleashed at that time. And we were just sitting there and I just started to watch the monkeys. And I was like, uh oh, you know, I wonder what these guys are up to. And I just said, OK, I'm just going to sit here until they pass over the canopy. But they just kept getting closer and closer and coming down towards us. And Millie was just sitting there beside me. And I just realized in an instant that these monkeys that we could we were probably in danger whatever they were going to do they were coming towards us and I felt it in my heart and I looked at Millie in that instance and I just thought in my head run and she instantly just ran and because she's way faster than me she turned around and went oh she was gone and I started running after her to get away from the monkeys and and then when we got to a place to say she stopped eventually and she waited for me to catch up. 
and we were just sitting there going oh my god and we were just like breathing and I just knew she had she had waited for me the human to catch on to the situation that she knew was dangerous but she didn't leave without me we've been working together for many months at this point and that was my first experience of organic animal communication you know that's when it really hit me it was just like wow here's this semi-wild animal waiting for me waiting for me to get it understood in the moment I I got the danger was there and understood my message run and in an instant she was gone so that was really you know the beginning Mm, that's a really beautiful story and how do you work with the animals now do you want to explain to everybody what you do or what is the sort of healing outcomes and and how it all happens yeah so there's a few different things that I do um, when I work with the animals, with the animal communication, um, I connect in with their hearts and everybody can do this to a degree. I think everybody can communicate with animals. It's just being aware that you can. And we all receive their messages in different ways. You can feel them, sense an emotion, hear, hear, hear a message in your mind, see images in your mind's eye, see colors, whatever it is that they do. So we're all communicating with one another from a heart level all the time. So when I communicate with the animals, what I experience is I can feel their feelings. I can feel sensations in their bodies if they want me to, sh- to, to show me different points and I can hear their messages. And so through that, I'm able to give them a voice and also able to help with domestic situations where people don't quite understand why their animals doing a certain thing behaving a certain way or has gotten sick and the animal can tell me what's going on for them and i can work with animals that are still living and then sometimes for my clients that i know well um i will work with their animals in spirit after they've passed after a certain period of time so that's the animal communication side but I also work holistically to physically heal them. So if they have a condition, um, itchy skin, a tumor, you know, pneumonia, something going on with their liver, kidney failure, all these different kinds of things, as well as seemingly aggressive behavior, hyperactive behavior, lunging on the lead, chasing their tail, all this kind of stuff. I look and see as well, I bring in a bit of traditional Chinese medicine where I analyze the meridian health of the animal. And I see if there's an imbalance going on in the meridian systems, which in turn affects the organs and the emotions, the mental processes, everything. And then the animal tells me what botanical remedies they want me to give them in order to bring these meridians back into balance in order to heal themselves. And they're self-selecting their own medication. The scientific term for this is zoo pharmacognosy. And that's what the wild monkeys would do all the time. They eat certain leaves if they have parasites. Or, you know, you see the horses eating the dandelion in the springtime to cleanse their liver. So I bring in the essential oils, hydrazoles, herbs, uh, homeopathy with the assistance of homeopathic vets, flower essences, all this kind of stuff. So the healing, I always say to people, what type, you know, they say, how, how can you work? I said, I can help any animal with anything, you know, with this holistic toolbox. 
because even if I get stuck with an animal and I'm not quite sure where to go next in their healing, I collaborate with homeopathic vets. So there's always something we can do. That's incredibly interesting. Have you got any stories about what the animals have told you, a particular animal perhaps? Um, yeah, there was one particular dog. I always like to work on or talk about animals I've just worked on recently because it's fresh. You know, when when you channel a lot of this information, it comes to spirit and it doesn't belong to me. It passes through me. So I always like to talk about recent uh, recent stories. And the one I want to share is a beautiful dog called Prince. And Prince, around the time, the week's running up to Halloween, he had a debilitating fear of fireworks so his guardian got in touch with me to see if there's anything that I could help and when I find an animal has a really really huge phobia around fireworks you know he wouldn't go for walks for weeks on end it affects their heart it affects their adrenal glands you know it's they're in a constant state of trauma whilst the fireworks are going off so you have to deal with it you can't leave it because eventually it could turn into something like a heart murmur later on in life and so this poor dog prince what i did was i did the zoo pharmacognosy where he self-selected his his essential oils that he wanted to work with and he got through the Halloween pretty good it wasn't as bad as it was usually he was able to kind of instead of cowering in the corner he'd just be sitting on the couch yes the fireworks still upset him but nothing to the degree that it did and then he switched his oils he, he asked to work with an oil called yarrow and a few days after Halloween when all the fireworks should pretty much be gone Two fireworks went off in the afternoon and he just had a sniff of the arrow that morning for the first time. And he had a huge trauma response to the oil or to the fireworks. He started to wee himself, claw at the door, and he started to bite himself and pull his own skin and hair off on his leg, self-mutilate himself. And this was the extreme. He'd never been this bad. So when the guardian got in touch with me, I knew what was going on. Yarrow is a very deep trauma release oil. It'll go back into previous lifetimes if it needs to. And a lot of animals that have a huge trauma around fireworks may have at some point been in a war. Mm-hmm. Many, many millions of war horses over the over the centuries that have had to experience it. And as a prey animal, That's a huge trauma for them. And they were ridden straight into battle, straight into their deaths. Um, So they carry that cellular memory. If you want to think about it from a scientific perspective, it's in their DNA. If you want to think of it from a spiritual perspective, it's a past life trauma. And I, I knew Prince had reawakened a past life trauma with this oil. So he had to stay working with the oil. And I sent him another oil called benzoin, which I got the guardian to put on her hand and hover it over the area of the leg he kept going. So there was some kind of an old wound in that leg from before. And the, the essential oils just rebalanced him, brought it all out. And he calmed down. He stopped going at his leg. The vet actually had to put a cone on him to stop him as, you know, biting into his leg. But he calmed down and he's the happiest and brightest he's ever been. 
He's back walking again, still a little bit nervous at nighttime, but that'll help, you know, when the darkness lifts in the spring. He's been through a lot. So that'll show you the power of this work. So the earlier we can treat a mental or emotional problem, the more likely we can prevent it turning into a physical condition later on when it becomes more entrenched within them. Amazing. That's a fabulous story. I'm so happy for Prince. So well done. Yeah. And um, have you got another story that you'd like to tell us? Yeah. So there's there's another uh, really good friend of mine, Forty, and he's um, a draft horse. He's 26 years young. Yeah. And, you know, the story that he represents is a really important one. He's absolutely been the best horse. He has taken care of everybody that has ridden him over the years. And he's now come to the end of his life. So healing can happen at the end of the life as well. And we can support animals and give them a choice. He got really, really wobbly on his hips um, just about a month or so before Christmas. And the vet recommended that he be euthanized. But, you know, not all animals want to be euthanized. Some of them want natural deaths. Some of them don't want to be euthanized at the time that we decree sometimes they say well not just yet give me a bit more time then I'll want it and so Forty's guardian is really open to all this holistic stuff and she didn't want to she just did she just she doesn't want to euthanize him you know she will if she has to and because if a horse that size goes down and can't get back up again it's very stressful for them so the vet said there was nothing they could do so I went in there with my oils and with my herbs and we got Forty to a place where he was more steady on his feet. He had a bit of acupuncture work done as well with a phenomenal vet who does that kind of work. And so we were supporting him in every way. And he wasn't he was he was better, but still very unsteady on the legs. And it looked like, you know, time was very, very short. So he actually put the message into his guardian's mind that he wanted his old friend to come back and visit him, which is another horse called Shiraz, his girlfriend, basically. And as a typical mare, she can be a little bit bossy, but they, they were reunited because the same guardian has both horses. They were just in different locations. So they were reunited and she starts to chase him around the field. And by him having that movement, it actually started to improve his balance and his musculoskeletal system, as well as his heart energy. He started to get stronger. And then one of the days he had a really kind of bad, nervous episode. He had a lot of anxiety. So they asked me to go down and I used that oil benzoin with him as well. And I, I gave him a hands-on healing with the oil on my hand. And I worked on an acupressure point that I felt drawn to in his hips. And it was like a miracle. He just suddenly got way more strength in his hips and his hind legs to the point that the vet came back recently to vaccinate all the horses at the livery yard. And he was shocked that number one, he's still there. And number two, that he's, you know, doing that well for a 26 year old horse. We don't see 40 being here, you know, for six months. We don't, you know, it's day by day. But the, I think the moral of the story is, is that sometimes we can go in there all gung ho with our best human intentions. We love our animals, but 
sometimes we can be blinded by our grief at these important times and death itself is the ultimate healing and you allow the animal to ease themselves into it and it stops the guardian worrying about um making the wrong decision at the wrong time so the guilt is gone and it empowers the animal to have a death that doesn't become a trauma so therefore it supports them and bolsters them for many lifetimes to come so that's what 40 is teaching us day by day at the moment that's very interesting about the end of life as well for animals um, yeah, really yeah important. very important um, do animals have a message for humanity um, I think the message, the overall message that animals have for humanity right now, from my perspective, is every single animal I work with, the way they respond to this healing work, which takes in the power of nature in order to help them self-select and self-medicate. So they trust, if you offer a, an, an animal steroids, tablets, versus a natural painkiller like devil's claw herb, you put the two of them out, which one are they going to choose? They're going to go straight for the devil's claw. So the incredible way that they turn themselves around by trusting in the inherent power of nature, to me, is the message in itself that they are showing us that if humanity, we come back to that, and we come back to the abundance of healing that is all around us. And we become more harmonious with nature again, because we've become so separated out from it for various different reasons and all the living in the cities and all this kind of stuff. But here you have a dog, a cat in, in a city, a horse in a yard, and they're showing the people the differences in their well-being from one week to the next working with nature and they can't deny it then so the message is by showing the example of the healing power that is available to us all you know the animals are showing us we can do that for ourselves as well so that for me is the overriding message that the animals have it's a deep process and it has a message for humans as well so oh, absolutely yeah absolutely. yeah yeah, that's that's fascinating. So um, how can we help animals in our day to day life? I think one of the first things we can do is help ourselves. When I heal animals, often the oils that they select, I say to the guardian, you have a little sniff of the oil there as well and see if you enjoy it or the flower essences or or the reading comes to the message of what's going on. They're going, oh, my God, that's me. <laughs> so often the animals will mirror the illness or the dis-ease that's in their guardian and then they're the ones that express it out into the world in their attempts to help the guardians to recognize it within themselves and take steps to heal it so I, I work with people and animals together um, so the best thing we can do is keep ourselves healthy and well and if we're healthy and well, we're more able to see the world from their side of things. So if they if we're healthy, they don't have to worry about us and they can start looking after themselves because they're so unconditional in their love. And if we put ourselves in their paws and see the view, like if you have a dog or one of the cats that I'm working with at the moment, actually, he's peeing in the house, spraying and attacking the other cat. Now, it looks like he's the aggressor 
and he's the problem cat. But that's actually fear-based aggression. That cat is so overwhelmed by having a stranger in his house that he's peeing and doing his best to survive. He's marking his territory and fearing for his safety. So he launches at the other cat. Cats do not live with strangers. In the wild, domesticated cats that live, say, on the streets of, I don't know, you know, we don't have many here in Dublin, but a few, few troops of wild cats that are still there. The families stick together, but they don't live with strangers. So by stepping into that cat's paws and seeing the world from the natural animal way of how cats naturally are, you can quickly see that it's not actually aggression. It's actually fear that's causing those natural cat behaviors. So by taking ourselves out of our viewpoints of what we deem to be appropriate or social behaviors and try and look at it from the animal standpoint, we can take a lot of stress away from them mm. and we can support them then with the holistic options. You know, a lot of people, when their animals are sick, go straight to the vets. But there's more and more holistic animal healers around the world in Ireland, holistic vets, look further afield. Okay, there's more out there than you would realize. And looking at their diet as well, instead of going and getting kibble, you know, those biscuits that are just so handy. Mm. Um, you know, they're not species appropriate diet. It puts a lot of pressure on their body. There's a lot of stuff in them to make them want to eat it rather than, you know, give them a whole a whole food diet like we would actually feed ourselves. Um, so, yeah, they're just some of the things I, I'd like people to just think about, you know, um, and then maybe take some steps towards. They're more than welcome to reach out to me if they want to. Yeah, well, um, we're very grateful to have holistic healers like you that can give a voice um, to animals, a very important voice. And I was just thinking, have you one tip for humans to remain healthy? to help their animals what would be your top tip yeah stop okay just stop for for a few minutes each day just get down on the floor with your animal friend okay and just turn the phone off do nothing and just sit there in their presence and see how they respond if it's your horse, instead of just putting the saddle on, you know, getting ready for your hack out, just grooming them down, doing whatever it is, stop, sit in the field and read a book and sit with your horse and just see what happens. See how you feel after just taking some time to be with them with no agenda. Yeah, great and advice. And I totally agree with that. That's brilliant. Um, so how can people get in touch with you, Lisa? Do you want to point them towards your website or your social medias and everything like that? Yeah, thank you for that. Um, yeah, so my I've got two websites and they're very easy to remember. I've got animalhealing.ie uh, for all the smallies. And I've got horsehealing.ie for the bigger horse, for the bigger animals. So people are more than welcome to reach out to me there. And I'm on the social media as animal. Um, Animal Healing Lisa Tully. Um, so you'll find me that way on Instagram, Facebook, whatever. <laughs> and I'd love to hear from people. I love to hear and, and help you with anything you need help with, with your animal family and yourselves as well. Oh, great. Yeah. And I'll put all those in the show notes as well. So Lisa, it was really amazing to have you on as the first episode for 2022 and great advice for people and 
a lovely voice for the animals that you've been working for. So thank you for the work and thank you for coming on to the show. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. You're very welcome. Thank you for listening to Nature Magic. We have good news this week from Borough Nature Sanctuary. We are reopening to the general public on the 2nd of April on a staggered basis. We will start by being open for weekends and build up to full-time opening again. In other news, we have partnered with Reforest Nation and received a donation of a thousand native trees. These have been planted over February at Borough Nature Sanctuary in groups, hedgerows and stitched into our rewilded area in an effort to reduce the impact of ash dieback. We can already see the damage this has caused and have been advised we will lose at least 80% of our ash trees. We wish these new native trees the best of luck and would like to thank Rode McAvoy for his amazing initiative, Free Forest Nation, that has already planted over 50,000 trees in Ireland, an impressive feat for someone in their early 20s. So if you want to offset your carbon footprint by planting trees, look up Reforest Nation.